Joseph Nazareth. I saw what you did to the leopard on the road this morning. My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. He has no hope but you. Please, do for him what you did for the leopard. That's our rope! Put it back, man! If you are willing, Rabbi, I know you can do this. tablet at least. teach? Certainly not the authority of any rabbi from Nazareth. Where did you study? Your faith is beautiful. Son, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right. But I ask you, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or rise up and walk? It's easy to say anything, no? But to show you, and so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, my son, rise. Pick up your bed and go home.
she does it. If y'all have, wow, that's loud. If y'all have never seen The Chosen, I pray that this clip has created a little bit of curiosity in you to watch that TV series. The, the producers of The Chosen have done a fantastic job taking the gospel accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and putting it on the cinema in a beautiful way. And um, so I encourage you to watch it. The snippet that we just watched is from the passage that we're going to meditate on today. As we continue in this season, this season of anticipation, season of preparation, how many days are we away from Christmas? Anybody know? Seven. We're a week away. Come on now. Y'all not excited? I mean, the waiting is almost over. Amen? And in this season, though, of Advent, we've been looking at making room. Making room in our schedules. Making room in our homes and our hearts and today i want us to look at making room for the impossible making room for the impossible but to do that i want to start with a couple questions and the question the first question i want to ask you is this what's limiting your living life to the full what's limiting your living life to the full the life that god has for you the god the life that god desires for you the life that god designed for you what's limiting you in that way and the second question is this to what extent are you willing to make room not only to embrace this life but help others to do the same as you ponder those questions i want to invite you to turn to scripture with me that the account of this healing of the paralytic dropped through the roof is found both in mark and luke's gospel mark is the older of the two accounts and so we're going to read from that account this morning mark chapter 2 Beginning with verse 1 this morning. Hear God's word for us. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home he got up took his mat and walked out in full view of them all and this amazed everyone and they praised god saying we have never seen anything like this this is the word of god for the people of god thanks be to god 
Let us pray. Almighty God, I thank you for this morning and I thank you for the time already in worship where you have drawn us ever closer to you, given us a chance to sing and to pray and even petition. God, there are a lot of things in our hearts and minds this morning, no doubt. But I pray that you would calm our minds and our hearts, that you would open both through the move of your Holy Spirit in us and through us so that we might meditate upon your word and encounter the risen word, your son, Jesus Christ. So may the meditations of our hearts and minds and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. And the church said, amen, amen. I got to pause for a minute. It is so odd to see like the vast majority of the churches over here. Normally it's over here on Sunday at nine o'clock. I don't know what's happening here this morning, but man, it's different this morning. You know, here's the interesting thing is that, you know, wherever Jesus is, wherever his presence is made known, a crowd gathers, right? And it shouldn't surprise us because anytime that Jesus' presence is made known, healing happens. Hope is reinstated. The, the teachings that he has to offer inspire and change lives. And if you don't believe me, just look back a few verses before what we read today. Whether you look in Luke's account in chapter 5 or Mark's account in chapter 2, you get the report of a leper having been touched by Jesus. You got that right. Jesus does the unthinkable. Jesus touches the untouchable. And this leper is made whole. Only Jesus says, zip it. Keep it to yourself. But you know, this leper must have been deaf too. Because he had diarrhea of the mouth and went around telling everyone of what Jesus had done for him. So much so that everywhere Jesus went, it was even difficult for him to move around because of the crowds that came to hear and to see firsthand what Jesus can do and what jesus came to do you know as i was reflecting on this and just reflecting on the life of christ i i I came to this reality that you know it's hard to keep quiet what an encounter with jesus can do can i get an amen to that it's hard to keep quiet what an encounter with jesus can do because jesus changes lives And others are drawn to this kind of presence. And so that's what we find happening in this passage is you fast forward a few days from where that leper had given a news flash to the masses about what had happened to him. And we find Jesus coming back to his home area in Capernaum and he's in this house and the house is filled. And if you you look back in history, that house more than likely would have been able to handle about 50 people in that front room. Now, how many of y'all have ever had a party with 50 people in your den? And imagine that. I mean, well, you had one. So you imagine that. I mean, this is this is what's happening is that they are pressed in and then they are all around the house. There is no room left. Verse two says they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. And as this crowd presses in to hear from Jesus, Mark does a pivot and Luke does, too. To a man that's on the fringes. To a man that's on the outside of this crowd. A paralyzed man. Being carried by his friends. A man that no doubt knows what it's like to go through life. Living a life with limitations. He's unable to physically walk. He's at the mercy of others to help get him around town. Maybe even get him around his own house. We don't know. 
and mobility, though I don't think is the only limitation that this man's experienced. Because I think that the, the paralyzed aspect of his life led him to experience other ways of being limited too. Think of with me. How is it perhaps that his physical limitations limited also his social interactions? Think about how often maybe he felt like he was on the outside of gatherings like this. Perhaps feeling left behind at times, isolated at others, and overlooked yet at other times. And word, no doubt, has spread that Jesus has come to his town, and perhaps he's watched as people are flying past his house, past the window, past his door to go get in line to see Jesus, overlooking completely that he's left stuck, stranded in his own house. And I can't help but wonder, how did he receive the news that Jesus had come to town? Did he receive it with hope because of what he had heard Jesus had done in other towns? Or did he receive it with despair because he can't get there? He literally can't get to the house where Jesus is. Which leads me to ask the question, how many of us can relate to that? You know, dare I say, every single one of you here, at least within this room, walked in on your own volition. None of us here, but some of us maybe even listening in, know what it's like to live in a, a physical paralysis of not being able to physically move around. And I have to be honest with you, I, I can't even begin to relate to what it's like to not physically get around. But I think all of us can relate to what it means to live a life in which we are paralyzed in one way or another. How many of you have ever been paralyzed and gripped with fear? Or doubt? Despair? Indecision? Overwhelmed? Paralyzed with a a lack of sense of self-worth or self-esteem? You know, Ann talked about making room in our schedules. How many of y'all have found yourselves paralyzed by everything you got to get done? Your to-do list leaves you with a paralysis that you can't move forward with a day because you don't know where to start. You see, I think each and every one of us, at one level or another, knows what it's like to go through life with limitations. And sometimes those limitations are imposed on us, right? And, and sometimes those limitations are self-imposed on us. And sometimes the limitations that we experience in life are because of circumstances beyond anyone's control. But needless to say, I think each and every one of us have experienced limitations from living the way in which God desires God would have us to live. Maybe some of us today, maybe some of you, maybe some of you listening in are in that spot right now, in that moment of feeling paralyzed, incapable of moving forward in life and to thrive in life. So you pivot again to these mat carriers and in this encounter, they appear to have a different perspective than perhaps maybe what this paralyzed man had or maybe what we might experience in our own lives. You see, rather than see a life of limitations, they see a life of possibilities. They see a life of what Jesus can do. And they have heard that Jesus has come in town and they are d- just bent on making sure that this man, this paralyzed man, receives the healing that he desperately needs. And so they bring him to where Jesus is, only there's no room to get him in. Can you picture the scene? Can you, can you imagine coming up to a packed crowd that's pressed in themselves, wanting to listen 
to every word that Jesus has to say, maybe even to experience healing from Jesus, reaching out, maybe pressing in so that he might touch their hand and heal them in some way. And then comes this group carrying a paralyzed man, and all they see is a wall of backs, people with their backs turned to them. And maybe as they're trying to poke into the crowd, the crowd kind of looks back like, hey, get out of the way. You know, this is my spot. You know, imagine that. And yet these mat carriers are undeterred, we find. They take to the roof. They're determined for this paralyzed man to experience and to encounter what Jesus has to offer. Now, perhaps they're driven by word of mouth, but I can't help but wonder if perhaps they also had a firsthand experience. Mark and Luke don't tell us that, but needless to say, what is clear is that they are determined for this man to have access to Jesus. And so what do they do? They take to the roof. They tear open a hole and they lower this man down right there in the center of Jesus. Right there, like in the epicenter of the commotion is this paralyzed man being delivered down. And Jesus' response is remarkable, isn't it? He knows that he looked to their faith and he discovers and he looks not to the paralytic's faith. We, we don't know. We don't know if the paralytic's a skeptic, a seeker, a doubter, or devoted. All we know is that Jesus takes note of those that brought this man to him and what great lengths they're willing to go to make room for him to experience and encounter Jesus. And there, in the midst of all that, Jesus does the impossible. He does what some said he should not and what others thought he could not. He forgives this man. And then he heals this man. I think it's interesting. Like, if you think about this, if you zoom out, it starts with his paralysis. It ends with his being able to walk. But in the middle of this, where Jesus begins, is with forgiveness. Jesus is dealing with his soul before he deals with his souls. Jesus is dealing with the paralysis of feeling excluded from community, a sense of being on the outside before he deals with his ability to walk into and into the life that he has for him. You see, he's not only restored him physically, but more importantly, relationally, something that he was unable to do on his own. And yet this, is what Jesus offered. You know, I so often, when I read this passage, I dwell on the mat carriers and compelled to think about my role as being a mat carrier. But as I reread this this past week, the question that I posed to you is because I found myself reflecting on the way in which I am like that paralyzed man. And how you and I, all, all of us, are like this paralyzed man. Because you see, Jesus came to deal with paralysis in our lives. A paralysis that has impacted all of humankind. It's a paralysis that comes from sin in this world and in our lives and in our relationships. Because you see, the effects of sin is what paralyzes us, doesn't it? It's what paralyzes us with a sense of unforgiveness or brokenness. Some of us, because of what's happened to us, we live in a paralysis of fear or maybe doubt. You know, some of what we've done has led us to be paralyzed because of the shame or the guilt 
of what we've done or what we've said or what we failed to say or what we failed to do. And much like that paralyzed man, sin is what has left us feeling isolated, incapable of moving forward, living a life less than God desires for you and for me and for all of humanity. And not just for here and now, but for all eternity. Y'all remember the, the account with the angel? You know, he appeared to Mary and, and kind of tripped Mary out that, that she's going to have a child as a teenager, right? And, and then that angel appeared to Joseph and, and, and tried to, to ensure him to stick with Mary and all of this. But in the midst of that, in Matthew's account, he says, you know, Jesus came. Why? What was his purpose? To save his people from their sins. That's what Christmas is all about. That's what the gift of Jesus Christ is all about. That despite our own inability to come to the presence and into the presence of God, God has come to us. Jesus has come for you and for me and for all of humanity to set us free, to not only extend a forgiveness to us for our sins, but to give us a freedom from what those sins have done in terms of inhibiting us from living the life that God designed for you and me, that God desires for you and me. You see, the beauty of Christmas is God drawing near to you and me when we could not draw near to God. God making right what has gone wrong between us when we could not on our own make it right between us much less between anyone else in our lives. This is the beauty of Christmas. You see, God, Christ's coming is God's way of making the impossible possible. Can I get an amen to that? Christ's coming is God's way of making the impossible possible. And the truth of the matter is, is this gift is too good to keep to ourselves. Because it wasn't meant for just us. It was meant for all of humankind. And yet another gospel account, John, John 3, 16. For God so loved what? The world. Not just you, but the world that he sent his one and only son into the world that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Which leads me back to the question that I began with, and that is this. What's limiting you from living life to the full? What's limiting you from living the life that God wants for you, that God desires for you, that what Christ came to offer you? What's holding you back? Fill in the blank. Is it fear? Is it doubt? Is it a low sense of self-esteem? Because I got news for you. Jesus came for you. Jesus loves you. Someone needs to hear that today. Can I get an amen? Someone needs to hear that today. And perhaps today we need to hear Jesus speak to us like he spoke to that paralyzed man. First saying, your sins are forgiven. Forgiveness. But he doesn't stop there. Because he wants to whisper in your ear also, get up. Take your mat. And go home. He wants to give you freedom, too. 
And so if there's someone here or maybe listening in that has not received the gift of salvation, the coming of Christ, don't miss out today. Don't miss out on saying yes to his yes. Can I get an amen to that? Don't miss out on that. And then for the rest of us that have already begun to say yes to his yes, I ask you. Because I can tell you that even having said yes to him, I find myself at times paralyzed too. I allow the hurt to seep in. I allow unforgiveness to seep in. I allow the dysfunction in family to seep in. I mean, think about the holidays. As beautiful as it is, how many of y'all are having a blue Christmas? Jesus wants to speak to you too. To what extent are you willing to go in order to embrace the life that Christ has for you? And not just you, but for those around you. You see, I'm convinced that we're not called to settle to be a part of the crowd. And I have to admit that sometimes that's where we find ourselves, isn't it? We settle for being drawn to Christ, but losing sight that there are others. They're in desperate need of what Christ has to offer them. So church, as we continue in this Advent season... Would you make room for the impossible? Would you make room for Jesus to do in you what only he can do? But would you also make room to bring others to? There are others that need to be brought to the feet of Jesus. So they might experience their forgiveness and their freedom too. Let's be a church committed to making room. Because after all, we're committed to what? Sharing in hope. Living with purpose. For what? For the sake of others. others. Let us pray. Almighty God, I thank you for your word that is just as fresh today as when it unfolded in that first century and captured by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. God, I'm reminded that in Luke's account, unlike Mark's, one thing is a little different. Luke picks up one additional detail. That the power of the Lord was upon Jesus to heal that day. And I believe that that wasn't just a day. But that's also available to us today. So God, for each and every one of us here that's dealing with a paralysis of one form or fashion or another that is inhibiting us from fully receiving the gift that you have for us, that you died for in order to give to us. God, I ask in the name of Jesus that we would hear of that forgiveness that we desperately need, even when we can't forgive ourselves. And I pray that you would allow us to hear your voice, to invite us to get up and walk. God, give us the the ability to see that Christmas is about the impossible made possible. That you coming to us when we could not get to you. Thanks be to God that you have come and you have drawn near to us. Help us to make room for you again this year. And help us to make room for the other to know you too. I ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Amen.